This is a Technicom podcast. Hello and welcome. The Digital Green Certificate is an initiative which was undertaken during the COVID pandemic as a way to facilitate free movement in the EU. Basically, the certificate is a uniform way for all member states to recognise that a citizen or qualified person has been vaccinated, tested or recovered from COVID. These certificates can be issued and used in all EU member states to facilitate individual mobility. A project of this scale and with such severe time constraints must be subject to certain risks. At the top of the list are data privacy for citizens, the slippery slope towards mass surveillance and the nuances that come with private technologies performing government functions. In this podcast episode, we partner with the Alpen Adria University of Klagenfurt here in Austria to look at the green passport from the viewpoint of two students from the Artificial Intelligence and Cybersecurity Programme. Our student hosts, Sabrina Strauss and Thomas Marquette, speak with Bart Preneel, Professor at the Catholic University of Leuven in Belgium, who was involved early on with the Green Passport. Let's have a listen. Hello everyone, my name is Thomas. And my name is Sabrina. We are two students from the Alpen Adria University in Klagenfurt, Austria. Sabrina is doing a master's degree in AI and cybersecurity. And I'm a PhD student in cybersecurity. And our subject for today is the vaccination passport. As we all know, the COVID pandemic has put down both the global economy and our minds on a scale never seen in modern times. For more than a year now, we have suffered from heavy restrictions, sometimes contradicting themselves. Trapped in our homes, social lives suddenly became digital or potentially deadly. But even seeing the friendliest face on a screen is not the same. We miss the little things that make life brighter. Nearly all of us have an itchy feet and wait to see the world again. In order to reopen our economy and to get some of our best social lives back, the idea of a green passport has emerged. This green passport might be one of the key to safely reclaiming our world again, giving freedom back to those who are considered safe. Yet, many problems arrive with this strategy. After all, what happens to those who are not considered safe? Is our data safe? Today, we are discussing the vaccination passport to get some more insights on how it should work and what happens regarding our privacy rights. The vaccination passport is already implemented uh, in some countries or is going to be implemented uh, shortly. Yet we are still a bit left in the blue. So what is the idea of the European Union really? Well, it's a certificate that has the main goal of informing about your COVID situation in order to lift some restriction. Uh, it will possess three main pieces of information. If you have been vaccinated, if you have been infected and recovered from the virus, or if you have been tested recently. This will define your degree of safety and also allows people that do not wish to be vaccinated to still possess a COVID passport. In order to protect the information contained in this certificate, during a control, 
the information shown will be only if your certificate is valid or not. Uh, therefore, the data of the passport will remain pri private and uh, never leave the state uh, issuing the certificate. The passport will also contain your name and date of birth in order to identify you and the QR code to prove the authenticity of your certificate. The passport will be available in digital and paper version in order to be easily accessible for the most people. To clarify some of these questions and have a better idea of the implementation of the vaccination passport, we have a guest today. He's a Belgian cryptologist and professor at the Catholican University of Leuven. He's the president of the International Association for Cryptologic Research. And since 2013, he's part of the European Academy of Science. Hello, Bart Reynal. Thank you for being here today. Hello. Hello, Bart. Nice to have you here today. My pleasure to be here, too. Can you tell us, from your point of view, what were the guiding principles when designing the digital vaccination passport? Well, when we introduce something like this European-wide certificate, I think it's very important that we first have a broad conversation with all stakeholders about what the goals should be and what the constraints should be, that actually there is a societal consensus about this. And I think in this case here, I was not very happy with the way it went because it was all done under very high pressure. I was involved in some of the initial discussions uh, in December. Um, I didn't continue till the very end because um, it was clear that there was not really technical challenges. It was mostly um, administrative issues were being discussed and also it was very difficult to change the scope or to look at the bigger picture. I think in general, it's very important to get all the stakeholders around the table and have everybody give their point of view. That means, of course, government, but also healthcare providers, uh, consumers, uh, privacy experts, lawyers, also people, of course, who have to use um, this technology. But it's clearly in this case, there was a very strong drive, in particular, I believe, from um, countries with um, high importance for tourism, that they insisted that after the chaos of 2020, they wanted tourism to restart as quickly as possible. And so the goal was as fast as possible design a system that could be used very quickly to screen people at the border so that it would be easier to allow tourism and get their um, industry back on their feet. Um, of course, it's on the one hand, a good thing that they want to standardize things. Um, I heard a story uh, from last week that somebody um, with a Belgian test certificate showed up in Athens and was sent back because the certificate was in French and they couldn't understand it. I mean, there is a good intention to avoid these kind of problems, to have efficiency. Um, but on the other hand, I think there is more than that. Standard, we also need to think about the broader role. And before we have consensus about this, we should start to design. And here was a very high time pressure. There was no time to consult all the stakeholders. And the goal was very quickly to come to an agreement to achieve this one main goal, which was travel. I guess the other goal that is being considered is um, if you citizen from country A, you move to country B, that you can actually continue the vaccination program in country B in an organized way. Um, I think that's easier to achieve, but that was, was the second thing. And of course, hidden between the lines was also the fact that not only they want the standardization, they wanted actually to avoid fraud, because it's clear that um, in particular with document, paper documents, um, there is some level of fraud, but this was actually never explicitly stated as one of the design criteria. Uh, and this was implicitly into the habit that paper would not be good enough. Although we've actually been going to history for decades with vaccination booklets that are based on paper, 
uh, probably not very secure, but they were good enough. It's kind of a bit strange that suddenly they're not good enough anymore today and that we actually need a digital solution. So I think in general, we should look very carefully at all the stakeholders and all the goals and try to make a careful assessment. And I think in this case, the goal was very quickly to achieve one goal, namely the fast travel or the seamless travel to other nations and everything else had to go for this. So the broader implications were, in my view, not carefully considered. Maybe in this rush to achieve results, they underestimated some problems. Um, do you have some concerns about potential misuse of the certificate? Of course, there is concerns because the infrastructure that's now being built has to be built quickly. So it will depend in, in part on private sector. It will be running on apps which are in the mobile ecosystem that's not controlled by the governments. Of course, uh, Apple and Google are subject to regulation, but still there is some limited control also because of the high pressure private players have been involved in developing the apps. So I think that's already one risk that private sector is involved in something which is a public functionality. Um, a second concern is that it's not clear where it will be used. Um, I don't know what the discussions were in other countries, but of course in Belgium, people organizing large concerts, large events, uh, large sports events, they're very keen to also use this application. And it's not clear at all that this is actually acceptable um, because definitely this was, has a risk of bringing discrimination for those people who are vaccinated and those who are not. And of course, the answer is, well, we have the option to also get a test. But then the question is, do I get access to the tests? And there is already concern in Belgium because the holiday period uh, tends to start 1st of July or 15th of July because the test is only valid for 72 hours. It will be an enormous bottleneck of hundred thousands of people who all want to be tested um, exactly one day before they leave on holiday so that their test is still valid when they arrive in their destination country. Uh, but that's a concern for, for the bottleneck of the testing system, but also the fact that this system may be used in other venues also nationally was not intended for it, but once it will be rolled out, uh, it's kind of difficult um, to prevent people from using it. And maybe for some events or some um, restaurant or whatever, they will require it anyway. They say, given that you have one certificate because you go on vacation, why don't you actually show us you're vaccinated and we can safely let into, um, for example, visit our company or visit our restaurant or whatever. So there is this um, kind of policing service that could be rolled out uh, or abused by policing abuse that could be done inadvertently or even without the government uh, knowing. Of course, also at the border, this is another document to ask. And of course, it can be used to stop certain people from traveling. Um, it could also be used in principle against uh, migrants who, of course, will not satisfy the rules because they're not documented. They may not have the right documentation. Um, if you only require a paper document that you have a PCR test, that's okay. If you need an official certificate, suddenly it turns out that you have to register with the government in some central system. And so I think that's another potential abuse that it will make border policing more strict. And then, of course, it's unclear to which extent the certificate will be verified online. If you check it only offline, um, the risks, I would say, are limited. But if you check it online, that means that the central system knows exactly where the certificate is checked and where this person is. So it actually can check who consults certificates, so it knows where you're traveling. So this becomes information that's highly valuable to police agencies and intelligence agencies to track people. And again, this is the general principle of mass surveillance. Um, you can have a debate or whether or not, for example, somebody who's a wanted criminal 
should be flagged when he or she tries to cross a border or try to use a certificate. But what people will do in this case, or what the risk is in any case, is that they will keep a register of everybody and all the time a database of who was checked where, and then keep searching this data afterwards in case there is an incident. And again, this is exactly what the European Court of Justice has said we should not do, which is collect all information about everybody just in case somebody starts misbehaving. You mentioned a lot of examples of misuses. That's why it is so important to consider that the new invention is responsible engineered. This means that societal actors work together during the whole research and innovation process in order to better align both the process and its outcomes with the values, needs and expectations of a European society. Responsibility includes, among others, that the data is handled correctly. To cover the legal aspect of a responsible invention, it is helpful to follow the rules settled in a GDPR. The GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, ensures that the data is protected in the European Union and also enables free data traffic. The most important articles of the GDPR are Article 5, 6 and 9. They include rules how to process personal data. Personal data should be processed lawfully, fairly and in a transparent manner. Moreover, the data should be limited in purpose, storage, time and amount. Because the vaccination status is health data, it is necessary that the patient gives his consent actively and sign a contract. It also means that the passport holder must be informed of the use of his data and who can assess it. Regarding the European Digital COVID Certificate, is it sufficient if it conforms to the General Data Protection Regulation Framework? The GDPR is a general framework and that's protects privacy of citizens. So, of course, it's important that um, anything you roll out, including the certificate, complies with GDPR. But, of course, that's only one step, and GDPR gives you many legal bases to process information. Um, people mostly mention consent, so the kind of the assumption is that um, the citizen would have to give informed consent to process their data and to make them available for this specific purpose. Um, you can ask many questions about this, but I believe that in this setting, the governments will not use, or most governments will not use this basis. There is other legal basis in GDPR which say that if it's necessary for public health, and I think pandemics are mentioned or epidemics are mentioned in GDPR explicitly as an exception, then governments can decide this legal basis is that they have to process information to control an epidemic or a pandemic. That could be enough as a legal basis. So in that sense, um, I think it's not so difficult to make sure that everything that's being done complies with GDPR because GDPR is a legal framework which has many options. And so the healthcare exception, the pandemic exception was foreseen in there to process data. I think a broader question is, of course, is all data processing ethical and can GDPR prevent abuse? And it's not clear at all that everything is covered by GDPR. As an example, potential abuse of by intelligence services. Well, it turns out intelligence services are outside the scope of GDPR and how they process data is not covered by GDPR. Oh, yes. The ethical aspect is an interesting point to mention. The GDPR covers the legal basis of an invention, but not ethics. 
For example, GDPR offers privacy by design. This means that the digital green passport should only leak minimal information by only showing a proof of a signature, not the signature itself. In theory, this should be enough. But in practice, with good legal arguments, it is possible to justify a less privacy-friendly system. Therefore, it is also important to take ethical and social aspects into account to get a truly responsible engineered result. Thank you, Pat, for your time and for answering our questions. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope that we gave you some new insights in this very actual topic. Stay healthy and have a nice day. Thank you, Thomas and Sabrina. And special thanks to the Alpen Adria University. See you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Technicon.